Second Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14. I want to preach to you an incredibly simple sermon thought this morning. That being, it's up to us. It is up to us. Second Chronicles 7.14, very familiar passage. Some of you might not have known this is where the passage was located, but I'm sure you've heard it before, and it reads this way. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Let us pray. Father, this morning we are so grateful for the opportunity to come and worship You. And Lord, we are reminded that we only have so many times to do this. We ask God this morning that You would have Your way with us. I pray, God, that You would anoint me, Lord, to preach this morning in the power and demonstration of the Holy Ghost. God, we pray, Lord, that You would open the eyes of our hearts that we can see clearly. Open the ears of our hearts that we can hear clearly. Open our our, our understanding, God, that we might know exactly what it is You have to speak to us this morning. God, I pray, Lord, that You would do something great in our midst. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We serve a living God that is actively involved in our lives. Being led by God and following God and allowing God to direct our paths and living by faith at times is a scary thing. It is a wonderful sounding thing. It sounds spiritual. All of us like to sound spiritual. All of us like the idea of walking by faith. But when the rubber hits the road, walking by faith is always contrary to what our instincts are. Walking by faith is actually um, in opposition to our instincts. When our instincts tell us to do a certain thing, to behave a certain way, to go a certain route, faith tells us, no, stand fast and trust God. We, as God's people, must learn to walk by faith. I've been doing this now for 13 years. And I can report to you this morning that God never stops asking us to walk by faith. There never comes a moment when you become so spiritual and you know God's Word so well that all of a sudden it's just automatic and you don't have to walk by faith anymore. It just flows out of you. We must continue to walk by faith. And what you'll find is is that certain things in your life that at one stage in time were very difficult for you to walk by faith. And and then as you matured in your uh, relationship with God, now it's not that big of a deal. And now it seems like you triumph in this area. What you'll find is that God will shine light on a new area. And now there's something else God's calling you to stare down and to overcome through the power of faith. This morning, I say that because... Our church is at a threshold. We've been at the threshold for some time, but God has not said take the next step. He has just said stay where you're at, let the roots grow deep. And uh, there's, a, there's a reason and a purpose and a time and a season for everything in life. But it is time for us to cross the threshold. And in order for us to cross the threshold, 
that being us, we, Crossway Church, must look inward and ask ourselves, God, what else is there in me that You want to do? We must be willing to be led by the Spirit, whatever that means, whatever it looks like. Last night I was out praying and asking God exactly what He wanted me to preach this morning. I had about four or five sermon thoughts. I couldn't get any peace about it. And and I felt God, for the first time in a very, very, very long time, just speak to my heart that He wasn't going to tell me that I needed to go home and that I needed to go to sleep. So I went home and I went to sleep. This morning, I was planning on preaching in Matthew chapter 25. It was my backup plan parable of the ten virgins. And during our worship time, I just felt this passage come to me. This morning, I want to do the best I can to lead the way in what I'm telling you to do, and that's to be led by the Spirit. To live a life where you're close enough to God that number one, you can hear Him, and that number two, you're willing to obey Him, whatever that means. So I asked the question, God, what is it in in 2 Chronicles 7.14 that you have for us this morning? Obviously, I have no notes. I hadn't intended or even thought of this passage until halfway through our worship time. And so I just want to let the the Lord lead us through it. But I ask that you would let the Lord lead your heart this morning and see what is the point of today's sermon. 2 Chronicles 7.14, If my people who are called by my name If my people will do these things, then will I hear from heaven. The first thing I want us to see this morning from our text is that it is up to us. The the, the world that we live in, the enemy that we fight, wants us to get our focus everywhere else. This is something that is in in line with what uh, Chris said this morning. But we must get our eyes off of everything else and get our eyes on God and see what God is trying to do in us. If you look at the history of the world as recorded in the Bible, never did it come down to the enemy was more powerful, the enemy was bigger, and we've got to find some way to convince the the worlds around us that they need to serve God. It always came down to God is able to do whatever God wants to when God's people will repent of their sins and follow God. You might be surprised to know that I'm not the, uh, I haven't bought into the whole, the world's caving in and, uh, the American government is Rome and the whole world's gonna fall apart. I don't buy that. I know there's a lot of you that do. I know there's a lot of Christians that do. I know there's a lot of that going on in the common conversation within the church. But let me say this. Let me just for a moment pretend that I believe that. Let me for a moment concede that those of you who feel that way might be right. According to the Word of God, it is not our job to go out and change everybody else to get them to agree with us. The solution to the dilemma that we are in is not changing the government. It's not changing the people in office. It's not changing the people around us. The solution to the problem we're in is looking inward and asking ourselves, God, what in me needs to change? We are experts on what everybody else needs to change. We are experts on what everyone else in our life needs to do differently so that our lives can somehow then be happier and better and safer. 
God is able to protect us even in the mouth of the lion's den. God is able to protect us even in the flames of Nebuchadnezzar's fire. The issue is not everybody else. The issue is not Nebuchadnezzar. The issue is not the lion's den. The issue is not the opposition. The issue is, are we where we need to be with God? And do we live in such a way where we our lives model that? That, Lord, we trust You, we believe in You, and we're living for You. Because He didn't say, if, if my people will convince the rest of the nations to serve Me, then there shall be peace. He didn't say, if my people will go out and evangelize the world, then all of the world will be saved and live in harmony. He said, if my people will repent of their sins, if my people will repent of their wickedness, if my people will turn from their wicked ways, if my people seek my face, then will I hear from, from heaven and heal their land. We see this morning the solution to every need that we have is not other people changing, but it is us changing. Now, this is true of the church. This has a, a direct implication to the church of the living God. But what is true for the whole church is true for the individual life. Somebody needs to hear me this morning. Your messed up life is not the problem of everybody else around you. And you do not need everybody else around you to change so that you can have peace with God and so that God can do something great in your family. You need to own your own sins, your own wickedness, your own state before God and ask yourself, is there anything in me that needs change? Because you can't change everybody else. You can't change your husband. You can't change your wife. You can't change your children. You can't change your boss. But you, my friend, can stand before God and allow God to change yourself. That is where we're healing starts. We have to own our own responsibilities. We are so focused on everybody else. We are so focused on changing everything else around us. God's the one that will do the changing in God's time. I preached last week on prayer. And I pray that God will give us spiritual ears to hear the connection. God does the supernatural. Do you understand that God can do more in one moment of time than what we can do in an entire lifetime? What we need to do is allow God to work in us and on us so that our prayers are not hindered. So that He hears from heaven. Because when God hears from heaven, God will do more in a moment than what we would do in a lifetime. But rather than living lives that are righteous, rather than being that person that can say the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, rather than living lives that are in that category, we spend our lives exhausting ourselves trying to do what only God Himself can do. And we get frustrated because there's no change. The family looks the same week in and week out. The world looks the same week in and week out. And God is saying, quit looking at everybody else. Quit trying to change everybody else. You're the one that I want to change. You're the only one that can do something about you. And you need to stand before God with arms wide open and say, search my heart, O God. Is there anything in me that is wickedness? Is there anything in me that I need to turn from? Is there anything in me that's hindering my relationship with you? And you need to get it right with God this morning. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, we need humbled. We need humbled in a desperate way. We are so prideful. 
unwilling to acknowledge that we need help, unwilling to stand up and acknowledge that there is sin in me. We are so desperate need to be humbled. If you showed up this morning and your family is a mess and you walked in this place like there's nothing wrong, you need to be humbled. You'd rather look like it's all together in the eyes of everybody else than to humbly admit that there's a need and to ask your brothers and sisters to pray. You will remain in your brokenness. You will remain in your problem-filled life until you are humbled. We are so prideful. Did you know that just because you're a child of God doesn't mean that you're humble? These things don't come automatically. They're not just part of the package. We have to be willing to humble ourselves. Confess your faults one to another. We are so unwilling to be honest about the state that we're really in. We're more concerned about what we look like than what we really are. We're more concerned about what everybody else thinks we are than what God thinks we are. We're more concerned about everybody in the church thinking we've got it together than if we actually have it together. There are people under the sound of my voice right now. You're laughing, you're mocking, you're looking around, and you're trying to fight off what God's doing in your family. Why do you show up? What are you here for? Who are you trying to trick? Why won't you let God deal with your heart and repent of your sins? What are you here for this morning? Nothing will change in our lives until we humble ourselves and repent of our sins. Nothing matters except what God sees. doesn't matter if you've got me tricked or everybody else in this place tricked. We need the move of a supernatural God to do supernatural things. And God will not bless our sin. He will not bless our pridefulness. He will not bless our slothfulness, our unwillingness to seek Him in prayer. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, I pray that God would humble us this morning. Every one of us are sinners. You know what? We're not afraid to say that because we know it's true. Every one of us. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us have a flesh nature that wars against the Spirit. If we know this is true, why is it so hard for us then to be honest about our needs? Honest about our weaknesses? Accountable to brothers and sisters who can pray for us and encourage us in the faith? Real revival, the healing of our land, only comes this way. You see, God has not left us hopeless. He has not left us without a map. He has not left us without the way. The problem is we don't want the way. We want the healing. We want the miracles, the signs and the wonders and the power of God to fall on our pridefulness, on our slothfulness and our lack of commitment to prayer, upon our hypocrisy. And it doesn't happen. We 
are the answer. It is on our shoulders. The rest of the world doesn't need to change. In order for your home to be a God-blessed home, everything in the home doesn't have to change. You have to change. In order for your family to have peace and the joy of God that rules in it, everyone else doesn't have to change. You have to change. You have to humble yourself. Oh, and it just takes one. It just takes one somebody that's willing to say, who cares if I have to take the the, the high road and, and be mocked and ridiculed? Who cares if I have to be the first one to apologize? Who cares if I have to acknowledge everything I've done wrong? I have to acknowledge it. I have to acknowledge I'm the one that has failed. I'm the one that has sinned. I'm the one that doesn't... That, 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 is, that is guilty here. Who cares if you're the first to acknowledge it? We need a revival of repentance. A revival of humble honesty. Where we quit just trying to seem like something and we actually start being something. If they will humble themselves and pray and seek My face, and pray and seek My face. What we need to be seeking is God's face. Which you'll never seek if you don't pray. I preached an entire sermon last week on prayer, so I'm not going to preach it all over again. We need to be praying. But here it is, the theme again. But notice what we seek in prayer is God's face. I would venture to say that the majority of you under the sound of my voice did not spend a single minute this week seeking God's face. Many of you have prayed and you have sought God's hands. What He can do for you. You've prayed about this thing and that thing. You've tried to move God in the heavens and ask Him to fix this situation and to to, to give to this situation and to, to work on this and to work on that. Do you understand that He is our exceedingly great reward? What we need to be seeking is His face. You see, what we need this morning is God. That's what we need. We don't need a great sermon. We don't need a great song. We need God. And if God will give us Himself, it will be enough. This morning, if you are distant from God, this morning, if you are questioning the Lord, this morning, if you need God to move in your life, understand this, it's not His hands that you need. It's not a situation that you need Him to touch. It's not a situation that you need Him to change. You need God Himself. And if you'll just take God for who He is, and you'll allow God to reveal Himself to you, it will be enough. What we need is God. We need to seek His face. We just need God here this morning. That's what we need. We just need Him. And when He comes, it'll be enough. God has the ability to fill a room that's got 200 people in it and speak to 200 people about 200 different things. He has the ability to do that. Oh, and when we see it and we understand it, then when we desperately seek Him and cry out, God, would You come? Because when you come, God, you can do more in a single moment of time than what we can do with all of our commotion. Do you understand it's God that you need this morning, sir? It's God that you need this morning, ma'am? 
It's Him, not His hands. Not the things He can do. Not the strength of His arm. It's Him. He died for you. He died for me. He died for us. So that we could know Him. So that we could have a relationship with Him. So that He could redeem your soul from the pits of an eternal hell. So that He could take every wicked thing you've done and place it on the shoulders of His Son and pay for it in full that you, my friend, might receive full pardon. And I ask the question knowing this is Calvary. This is the message of the cross. How much time do you take going after Him and trying to seek Him for who He is? He's a lovely God. There's nothing more precious to the Christian life than spending time in the presence of Him. Not simply trying to get to Him so that you can get keys to a car. Most of us are like that teen who butters up to mom and dad just to get the first car. And they behave well and they act right and they do everything they can to get in line so that they can get rewarded with a car. But as soon as the keys are handed over, they're out the door and down the road. It wasn't really the love of the parents that they wanted. It was the keys to the car. Does that represent your life with God? Does that represent your prayer life? I'm talking to you this morning about real spiritual things. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking to you about the real spiritual life. I'm talking to you about what do we really hunger for as sons and daughters of God. I'm talking to you about how shallow is your faith. How shallow is your relationship with God. How shallow is your prayer life. It is amazing that the answer to all the problems that we face simply come in truly seeking God and surrendering to Him. Now, I understand that in all of that, sometimes God will move us to a certain ministry. Maybe God, will, uh, being sensitive to God and walking in that place, will, will, will put you in a, a place where God will share with you to witness here and witness there. I'm not saying that, that all of the activities that we do uh, are without merit and that there's no fruit in them. But my point is this, we can become so external focused that inwardly we're not really who we seem to be on the outside. And that what God wants more than the externals is the internal. Because when God has your heart, and when you fall in love with God, and you do what you do because you love Him, the externals will come. Everything else will follow. Does your land need healed? Does our land need healed? I say yes. Do we understand this morning that God gave us the answer and it has nothing to do with everybody else? It has nothing to do with changing the person in this office or changing the person in that office or whether or not Jesus is a Republican or a Democrat? You know, Jesus almost never spoke about politics. Matter of fact, the only time he ever brought us up is when he, people tried to catch him in it. To try to pit him against uh, Rome. 
If the church was half as concerned about revival and seeking the face of God as it was about politics, we would see revival in a matter of months. Because the problem's not everybody else. The problem's us. If my people, God said. If my people seek His face and turn from their wicked ways. Not turn others from their wicked ways, but that if we turn from our wicked ways. Would you, I'm almost done this morning. Would you please listen to me very carefully on this particular point? Turn from their wicked ways. Number one, yes, it's possible, and not only is it possible, it's probable, that most Christians still adhere to many wicked ways. And we need to repent of them. Maybe it's the way you talk to your wife. Maybe it's the way you talk to your husband. Maybe it's the gossiping tongue that you have. Maybe it's selfishness and deceit. Maybe it's just pride and arrogance. Maybe it's the hunger for power and wealth and fame and fortune. Maybe it's the willingness to cut down others and be mean-spirited so that you can gain an alliance with a group of friends that you really like. My point is this. God told His people to turn from their wicked ways. And this morning, all of us, every single one of us, myself included, should look inward and ask ourselves, what are my ways that you would have me to change? And on any given scale, some of you might have just some serious wickedness you need to repent of. Others, the things that God might deal with your heart about might seem small and minute uh, in comparison to other things that you've dealt with in your life before. But every area of wickedness in our life cannot be undealt with. See, we've got to be willing to humble ourselves. We've got to be willing to not compare ourselves to the man in front of us or behind us. Well, I'm not as bad as so-and-so. Therefore, I must really love God. Humble yourself, ma'am. Humble yourself, sir. Ask yourself honestly, Lord, is there any wickedness in me that You want to remove? Is there any wickedness in me that You want to deal with? Because the promise is this. He promises to hear from heaven and to heal our land when we deal with us. I believe that one of the most... um, successful tactics of the devil inside of the church is to get us to focus on other people's wickedness. Because it feels like we're really doing a great um, deed for society and and for God if we can uh, look at a pocket of people and their wickedness and then we go to war against it. Whether it be some that are on this agenda or some that are on that agenda. And we spin our wheels trying to get everybody else changed without taking the time to stop and look inward and say, hold on a second, God. You'll take care of healing this land. You'll take care of the supernatural work. And God, You can do in a moment of time what I couldn't do in a lifetime. 
What I need to do is let you change me and not be spinning my wheels and going so fast, a hundred miles an hour every day of my life trying to change everything around me. When, God, you want me to simply fall before you and be honest before you and say, search me, O God, every area of wickedness in my life, God, let me repent of it. Because what matters, Lord, is what you see, not what everybody else sees. What matters, God, is the truth that you see my heart. You know my every thought. You know everything that I go through. And Lord, I want to be clean before You. It doesn't matter what everyone else thinks. It doesn't matter who I have fooled or who I don't have fooled. God, I want to have a heart before You that is right and that is pure and that is clean. And this morning, nobody can do that but You. Nobody can fall bare before the Lord that way but You. What we need at Crossway Church is humble people. That's what we need. We need people who are honest enough to say, hey, this is where I'm struggling. This is where God's working in my life. I'm not talking about saying anything that would bring shame and reproach upon your family or, or, your, or, or your husband or your wife or your children. But God, help us to be humble. Help us to be honest men and women. We're not so stinking prideful that we can't admit where we're failing and where we need help. Help us to be humble, God, before You. Before the Lord. Help us to be honest. Where we deal with our own true wickedness and realize it does impact everything. Your wickedness impacts everything in your life. You might think that, sir, you might have a secret pornography problem and you might think that it doesn't impact your home, that it doesn't impact your children, that it doesn't impact your wife. Yes, it does. And you're probably too blind to see it. All sin in our lives impacts those around us, but most importantly, it impacts us directly. You will never really know the hurt and harm that it does until you repent of it and get it out of your life. And then you can look back and say, wow, I was so deceived. That affected my life in so many more ways than I thought it did. Just simply being distant from God and just simply having sin in your life that you refuse to repent of, it'll make you cold and distant from God. And when you're cold and distant from God, it'll change everything in your life. It'll affect every relationship you have. It's not just some simple secret sin. God, help us this morning. He told us the way. God, help us to quit pointing fingers at everybody else. It is so easy to do that. It's real easy to feel spiritual by picking on other people who aren't as spiritual as you. Insecure people need a whipping boy. It makes them feel powerful. But God says, quit whipping everybody else. Look at your own self. What in you needs changed? What is it in you that's hindering your relationship with me? Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. I'll hear from heaven and I will heal their land. There's the promise. Go ahead and say this. I'm done this morning. I'm asking the worship team to come. Here's the promise. 
We've talked about the directions. We've talked about the command. But here's the promise. God said, then I will heal their land. I pray this morning, he that has ears to hear, let him hear what I'm about to say. There is no disaster so great. There is no pain so deep. There is nothing so terrible and so destroyed that God can't heal it. Nothing. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know where you're at. I don't know how messed up your land is. But God can heal it. We serve a God who can do anything above and abundantly beyond all that we could ever ask or imagine. When God said, Gideon, I'm going to take you to war, He did it with just a small handful of men. When God said, I'm going to raise up a great nation, He started with one man, Abraham. When the children of Israel were in bondage for 400 years, God went to a man with a stammering tongue in Moses and said, You will be my mouthpiece. When the world was without hope, God sent one Savior, His only begotten Son, to bleed and die on a cross to provide redemption for all mankind. And through a small handful of disciples, the First Testament, the New Testament church turned the world upside down. God does not need the entire world to be in unity before He can do something great. God does not need everybody in your family to be on the same page before He can do something great. He can heal your land. Oh, that God would give us the faith this morning to believe that. And to quit and make... You know, we make excuses for our half-hearted devotion to God. Because nobody else is. It's not going to make any difference. If I just, If I just totally... Surrender and, and, and be loving and compassionate and submissive to my husband, he'll just run over me. I'm not going to do that. The husband says, if I just get as serious about serving God as how I feel, every time I hear that preacher preach, my family will think I'm a lunatic. They'll laugh me to scorn. My wife will think I'm crazy. We make excuses for why we don't fully go where we believe God's leading us to go and living how God wants us to live because we're afraid of what everybody else will think. God, help us quit making excuses this morning. You know what? This is a blessed truth. Hey, when it all comes down to it, friend, you're not going to stand in front of anybody else but God. You're not going to answer to anybody else but Him. You just worry about pleasing Him. You just remember, you've got a date set. It's appointed unto man once to die, and then the judgment. You've got an appointment with God. You just worry about that appointment. You let everybody else laugh. Let everybody else scorn. Let everybody else be confused or think you're crazy or, or, or think that you, you're just off. Be a peculiar person. You just worry about your appointment. You just worry about the day when you stand in front of God. And every one of us who want to hear that word, well done, now good and faithful servant. You're not going to hear those accolades. You're not going to get the full approval that you're looking for if you allow everybody else in your life to keep you living a half-hearted devotion. God, help us to quit making excuses. Because He said, if my people will humble themselves, God, help us to humble ourselves this morning. If my people will pray, 
and seek His face. God, help us quit being so concerned about things. They're all going to fade anyways. God, help us to quit spending so much of our time praying about temporary things. God, help us to have a hunger to seek the face of our eternal God. And if my people turn from their wicked ways, God, help us to be honest this morning with ourselves. Every one of us have areas in our life that we could surrender even further to God. Every single one of us. God, help us to quit looking outward at everybody else and this thing that needs change and that thing that needs change. And let's just look at us this morning, inward, individually. Help us to Seems like all I could see was struggle. Haunted by ghosts that lived in my past. Bound up in shackles of all my Yeah, 